Hello and welcome to Are We Gundam or Are We Isekai? The internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam C podcast that wants to get back to destiny, we promise. We really did. My name is Jeremy. I'm a crab-themed supervillain. I'm Tyler. Pins, pins. My name is Zach. Since we have had people asking when we're going to get back to Destiny, the answer is basically when we get vaccinated. So hopefully soon-ish. I have news that's kind of good on that front. It's not related to vaccines or anything, but it is good to the production of Destiny. So last year, my brother moved apartments and he needed to get his table back. And that was the table we used to record on when we recorded at my place because he did not use it because he had a roommate's table. Uh, So I had to get a new table during uh, quarantine. And I did. I got this real nice table that I really like just for recording. It's kind of high up. I I really liked it. It did not come with chairs, though. And every time I tried to buy chairs, they were like, hey, we don't have it. (laughs) I bought the table and I don't remember. I want to say October. I... did we ever record on it? Yes. Because yeah, we I was going to say, we've recorded down, on remember? it at least once. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember taking the chairs down. Did you get chairs then? I picked up the chairs today. I now have chairs. As of Huzzah! today. As of, I put the chairs where they go. I sat down and Tyler was like, hey, do you guys want to record early? And I said, I just freed up. <laughs> so at that moment, I got chairs. So now if we want to record, we can sit. Are you currently sitting at one of those chairs? Are you, do you record downstairs? I honestly don't. I don't because the internet down there is not great. That's fair. And I would have to lug my laptop down there, which is absolutely fine when there are three of us. But no, I have taken my mixer up to my room. I record in my basement. Yeah, but you have a, wa- a landline to your basement. <laughs> this is true. That's what humans call those, right? I usually refer to them as hard lines, but yeah, I guess, I, I guess it's technically a landline. We watched episode 15 of Build Divers this week, which is called The Lotus Challenge. Which is a pretty decent name for a not-so-good episode. It just, it's its not even a terrible episode, it's just super guilty of all of Build Divers' worst sins, which makes it incredibly boring to watch. It's generic, is basically the problem. It does have my favorite translation of some Japanese ever, and they preserved it in the dub, so that's nice. <laughs> You'll have to point it out when we get there. Uh, I think I know which one it is. I have mentioned it before. I don't know if it's ever made it to a recording, but I bet it has. I think it has. I think when it can't, when you say it, Tyler will remember. Yeah, probably. That's the high point someone's going to steal from me because I do high points last. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on why this episode is bad, but I think it's probably best to get into them as we go along, unless you guys have any preamble you want to get to. Really, the only thought I have on this episode is, man, this is a weird transition from last episode. It feels like a weird one to start your new like ha- series half off on especially because of how slow the first half of it started on uh, we will get to the things i think are bad about it i kind of get it right because riku just built a new machine this is the episode where he gets to show it off and be powerful and win i think structurally that makes sense as an episode here i just think it's not a very good episode period and therefore it's not very good at conveying that either well i mean especially since he has yet to lose Yes, but again, here I think structurally a win is correct, especially with the tone of the series. The only reason you have him lose here is if he is now up at the high ranks and he loses to a high-ranking player, right? Which is not really the story they're going for. I just meant in general, he hasn't lost, so another victory is just another win. I mean, I think you can do a win here and make it entertaining. They don't do that. I think you can. So again, the episode is 15, Lotus Challenge. You can watch along on YouTube or Crunchyroll or wherever Gundam Build Divers is found. The episode begins with the Earth in nice silhouette. We get some dialogue. 11 minutes have elapsed since shuttle takeoff, and we're now 400 kilometers up in the thermosphere. And hey, it's Avalon. 
or at least the three named-ish characters from Avalon. I think they're all named. I just don't remember what they are since they're not that interesting. That's where they get ish. Kyoya the champ, Glady with glasses, and Guy. His lieutenants at least both have identifiable personalities. Yes, it's better than the build divers. So they're like, we have a minute and 46 to the time limit, and there are mines in front of us. But cocky lieutenant is like, I'll go. I got this. Well, he says we have mines this time, implying that the last time they did it, there weren't any mines. Yeah, I guess it might be variable, which that kind of checks out. I don't know the logistics of this, and the series doesn't tell us. I don't really know that it needs to, but we will ask questions. Well, in theory, because... But it's the same later when the later in the episode when the build divers try it. Although we also find out that it's actual players running this and not like an instance. So they may adapt and change it. They can patch their own challenge. Mines may have been added. So these mines are homing mines, apparently, which makes a lot of sense for space space mines like this. And he's like, I'll dodge them. But oh, no, there are also timed mines. And Glasses Lieutenant is like captain. And he's like, uh, I guess I'll go ham. Got nothing to lose. And we see a giant crab fortress for a moment that Kiyoya charges. Warning, giant enemy crab approaches. With all manner of seafood-themed mobile suits attacking them. I do really like the theming of this team. They've got, like, lobsters and crabs. The higher up are, like, a dolphin and a shark. The leader is literally piloting the mermaid Gundam. From G Gundam. Kiyoya's like, sword funnels, EK. But there are a bunch of them. I don't know where any of these came from. Like, I don't know where the mobile suits came from except for the uh, the Mermaid Gundam at the end. I'm pretty sure all the others are original to this. But yeah, Kiyoya gets close, but then he gets harpooned by a Mermaid Gundam. I guess tridented. But tridented is not a word. And a lizard man is like, impressive, but it won't be enough to destroy my fortress. I love his dumb lieutenant suits so much. They only make sense in space. They look like they might be some version of the Mermaid Gundam as well. They're very sharkish. Okay, he's like, I'll use beams. It's like, oh, it has an eye field, like everything. And then he's out of time. So they chail the challenge, specifically the Lotus Challenge. Hey, that's the name of that episode. And then it goes to the opening. Which is an interesting place to start. It's an effective cold opening, I suppose. It tells us what the challenge is. I mean, in theory, but it's got its own pro- attendant problems. The cold opening does? Yeah, mostly in relation to how they play off of the rest of the episode. I mean, I don't think I agree, but we can talk about it later if you prefer. I think the cold opening is absolutely fine. Don't get me wrong, I have a lot to say about why this episode is not good. So cut to Avalon Castle, where they're hanging out in their office being like, oh man, we failed again. Well, I mean, unless that was the first time they did it, he says we failed again. And we find out later that it's listed that everything has the eye field on it. They should have known that to begin with. Maybe they just never got that far. Maybe the champ really doesn't plan very well, and he just relies on his insane skills. I mean, that would make some sense. But at the same time, you'd think they would have figured a lot of these things out by now. Like, this is literally what they do. Anyway, they say the crux of the problem is that they need either a faster shuttle, which means they don't have enough firepower, or more firepower, which means they do not get there in time. So it could be possible that they didn't even arrive in time in their initial challenge. I like that they were pointing out the armaments of the base. They're like, it's got a beam blade, a particle cannon, and really big scissors. <laughs> Look, how embarrassing would it be to lose the really big scissors? You gotta have that information. <laughs> so Glass Girl's like, the Rommel team even failed seven times in a row. And Genki Boy is like, oh man, come on, Captain, this is hopeless. 
And Kyo's like, no, this is a challenge. This is what I want. To be fair, that is how gamers work. Depends on the gamer. I feel like there are more like him who will give up immediately and be like, oh, it's so hard. They need to nerf it. God damn it, Blizzard. You release this overtoned. I'm sorry. I, I just think of when I was playing Dark Souls 3 and I spent like six hours straight on one boss until I finally killed him. <laughs> Like I said, there are different types, right? But there are also plenty of people who don't touch Dark Souls because of its reputation. Or who are like, I tried to play Bloodborne. So I was on a street, and there was a guy. And as far as I can tell, that's the entire game. People tell me there are bosses? <laughs> I don't understand how that... Um, but yes, Kiyoya is certainly that type. He's like, no, taking on challenging quests is the whole point. Nothing's more boring than an easy game. So anyway, we see the advertisement, which is this lizard man being the force who conquers my fortress shall receive the largest reward in GBN's history and its greatest honor. Why don't you try today? Uncle Lizard wants you. <laughs> I do wonder what he gets out of this. If this is just him doing a challenge, if there was some sort of reward from the administration to incentivize this. I mean, the one that I can think of is you can use it as bragging rights because he has beaten the Rommel team on this seven times and the champ at least once. It's clearly a one-sided scenario, right? And that's the point. So I don't think it's like a PvP victory sort of thing. And the champion says, oh, administration would never approve a mission that can't be won. I wonder how they know it can be won, but that's fine. Let's accept the premise. So we go back to the Gundam base where they are learning about this from Nanami. That's her name, right? Yes. And she mentions that customers at the store, the store they are still standing in, is how I figured this, were talking about it. And I'm like, couldn't you have just said customers here were talking about it i mean sure but as someone who worked in a store for a long time we refer to it as the store all the time <laughs> okay i mean okay that's fair i've not had that experience so anyway it's got the reward just reward of 30 million build coins which have never been established before but this is fine a currency makes sense and we know from their reactions that that is a lot okay one of the things that makes me laugh i don't know what the third costume was that she's wishing for but the top one is Lacus's concert dress. The one on the right is Turnay's. Cannot think of the dude's name. Lauren. Lauren Sayak's uh, cross-dressing dress. <laughs> cross-dressing like party dress. I'm not sure from the one on the left either. I do love that concert dress being here, even though I think that is the worst dress in the history of mankind. I do like. She's like, oh man, we could get cool dresses and pets like a birdie. I could be in a Lacus Klein dress and have a birdie. <laughs> Got to do it, guys. I can only assume the cat is from another Gundam series reference. Riku, for some reason, just wants to hang out with non-player characters and rent them. I'll rent Akira. I do understand wanting to rent a Haman Khan. <laughs> her, her souls are unbound by gravity. Those two are having so much fun, and Riku and Koichi are just, like, looking at him like, I don't know what's going on with those. I feel like Riku, from what we've been presented with already, should be fired up for the sole purpose of wanting to overcome the challenge, but he doesn't seem to care about it one way or the other. Yeah. Although I could also be see him being more interested in PvP. Yeah, he wants a 1v1 me, bro. Final destination, no items. Whereas this is more of a puzzle sort of challenge. So Yuki explains the Gundam relevance of this to Momo and Sarah. He's like, yeah, it's a giant fortress from Double Zeta that they turned into a crab. Renamed it. Well, yes, of course. I love how he says it calls for conquering that fortress and the objective is to destroy its power supply. <laughs> That's conquering. But you have to sortie from the surface. Look, even they know that it's surrounded by anti-beam generators. Yeah, it's listed on the preview thing that it has them. 
I don't take this as diegetic, though. I take this as a aid for us, the listener, and I believe, or the the watcher, rather. And it's very possible that this is information that other players are sharing, right? That's fair. It could be the champion himself who uh, put this data out there. So Koichi's like, you can start from any point of the planetary surface and get up however you like, but you can't have more than five machines. Well, that's convenient because we have five pilots. I imagine five is probably pretty standard, although we've seen 6v6 matches, so... And so Rika's like, so how hard is this? And Koichi's like, unbelievably. Like, there are lots of ways to get up. You can use orbital elevators or space planes or just propulsion. But you have to reach the fortress, fight the enemies, and destroy the fortress in 15 minutes. It's a doozy. Really, the tricky part about that would just be getting off of the planet in time with enough firepower, really. Yeah, and that's what the champion said and kind of what they come to as well. Yuki goes over all the people who have tried it. Apparently, Avalon's tried five times to beat this thing. And once again, we find out that Rommel's team has tried seven times. But Yuki's like, yeah, problem though, we're probably just recon though, knowing that guy. No, was like, not a single force has cleared it so far. And I assume that only the first class that clears it is going to get the reward. Right. Wizard Man can't be made out of coins. Maybe it's something that's on there for like a limited time. Like, once one force clears it, then you have a limited amount of time to try and back them up or something like that to also get the reward. Yeah, so maybe the admins are, like, doubling to match. The problem with that is they apparently broadcast it to everybody. As soon as one person clears it, everybody knows how. Yes. And also, they specifically say that the reward is being offered by the players. Yeah, that's a good point. I imagine it is a one-time reward. And I also kind of imagine they don't think anyone's going to beat it. But anyway, here's Ayami comes in and she's like, hey, this because it's hard doesn't mean we should give up. I say we give it a shot. And she's not wearing her mask anymore. Yeah, no one makes a big deal of it. Also, it'd be super awkward to make a big deal of it. I do feel like Momo might tease her about it, though, now that you point that out. But Jeremy, that would be getting awfully close to having interpersonal conflict. He's like, yeah, it might be good to test Riku's new Gunplo with. And Ayami's like, yeah, I improved mine, too. You can't really tell because mostly I just repainted it. But Koichi will tell you all the cool things I did that make it look better. But because the drawing is the same, you can't tell. I would have loved if Riku's new machine was worse. I love how he goes over and just starts like examining the specs at the terminal. Yeah, because it's character. And Ayami's like, yeah, I wanted a fresh start with you guys. So I decided to redo my gunplay. Koichi's like, man. You use new plastic and put metal nozzles on it. Jeremy doesn't even do that. Koichi's like, yeah, should be good. And so Ayame's like, the real reason I want to do the uh, Lotus Challenge is because I want to try it. It's got nothing to do with you. Rika's like, okay, as team leader-ish guy, I say we do it. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? A small penalty? Oh boy, do small penalties almost happen. You know what would almost make this better? Is if it was a situation where you had to pay in to try the challenge, and that's basically where all the reward was coming from. That would also be an incentive for them to offer the challenge, right? And Rommel's Force, it's very easy to imagine, has enough money to do it a bunch. Same with the champs, but maybe Build Divers only can afford one shot. Especially since we find out it's by a point, which makes sense, but again, it would make a payment of some sort make sense. Although I can totally believe there would be players of this game who would be super excited by the idea of designing a challenge and doing this, and basically DMing. Yeah, I could definitely see that, especially because they've already presented it as, like, you can design your own force nest and whatnot. I was just thinking of, there's a, I think it was the second season of Sword Art Online when I watched that. There was, like, a challenge where you had to pay in, and then the person who finally cleared it got all the money that was paid up for it, basically. Progressive jackpot. Yeah, so, like, that would make sense as to where all the money was coming from as well. 
I'm fine with this guy just has a bunch of money. It clearly doesn't look cheap to make that giant crab fortress. But yes, that would have been stakes, which would have been nice. Yeah, that that was more of the point, is that it increases stakes by making them extant. So Koichi's like, okay, we're going to need a montage. Ayame and I will research the quickest route to the fortress. In- because we're the mature, intelligent ones. I mean, tracks. Riku Momo ain't going to do this. I can believe Yuki <laughs> can help. Yeah, I, I would see Yuki doing something like that, because he's got that same kind of planning vibe not to the same degree that koichi or ayame do he could definitely help right yeah but he's going to be busy enhancing his weapons to capture the fortress which isn't a terrible idea if you're going after something you know two of the best players in the game have already tried and failed at you might as well try and put in every little bit of advantage you can get especially since two of your friends just upgraded theirs riku's like i'll go for a jog (laughs) and momo is like why will you go for a jog? He's like, I saw Tiger Wolf punch a waterfall. That's cool. And it was like, well, the episode wasn't coming to length. And instead of writing anything interesting, we just decided physical fitness is important for getting into esports, which is kind of true. But this scene is one of the ones I think is the least necessary. I would have really liked this episode to be probably a Yuki focus episode, but a focus episode on somebody. Yeah, this does really feel like padding. I get what they're going for, and I don't, despite making the joke about it, I don't think it was like, oh shit, I guess we watch them, we draw them run for a little bit, because they're way easier and cheaper ways to pad, but I feel like this scene is worthless. No, I think this was storyboarded. I don't think someone was like, oh shit, we need to just stretch it out a little bit more. It just feels like padding, because like you said, there's no point to this uh, this scene. There's no point to most of this montage, to be honest, even if it fits structurally. Well, Koichi Ayame doing research of all the fastest ways and stuff that makes sense that fits with the episode theme itself but they just kind of skipped over it as does this next bit where we see koichi buy a bunch of plastic boards and put on a headband to start modeling i had a thought of like well i mean i I understand what they're going for but at the same time it would make a little bit i feel like it would make more sense if he actually tied his hair back so that it wasn't getting in his eyes as someone who has done a lot of modeling You don't need a sweatband for it, especially if you're as thin as Koichi. I'm a fat guy in a room that regularly is over 100 degrees. I don't need a headband. But it's dramatic. That's the only reason why it's there. Well, because there has to be some action in the shot. It would make more sense if it was just a matter of, I need to tie my hair back so it doesn't get in my eyes while I'm doing detail work, basically. Although he's just starting. He's probably like cutting or folding those. I'm not going to pretend I haven't done a scratch build like he's doing. But I'd imagine you'd start with tubes for what he makes. Yuki is impressed with his own Gumpla. It looks exactly the same. It's got a second gun. That is all he has. He adds a second gun. Impulse mode activated. Riku scores a soccer goal. Good job, Riku. It's not even really scored. It's like he's just doing batting practice, basically. Yeah, I was going to say Momo's just lining up shots for him. I assume she's also shooting. I think that's supposed to be a reference to something that comes up later in the episode, but it doesn't make any sense. I do believe that they're supposed to be preparing for that is the idea. So then we get to Build Diver's worst vice, which is we have to see all of the other characters react to Build Diver's taking the challenge, which just takes up so much time we could be spending on Build Diver's characters instead of Tiger Wolf and Maggie being like, oh man, they're so reckless. They could face a small penalty. (laughs) (laughs) The challenge is such a big deal. Like I could legitimately believe people talking about it, but we don't really need to 
be shown everybody discussing it. It's the problem we've talked about a whole lot, which is that instead of making us excited about the characters, they just have other characters tell us how exciting they are, which has the opposite effect, especially on viewers like me and Zach, where we want to go the other way when we're told this, almost out of a contrarian thing. But I feel like you could spend all this time on a B plot for one of the characters. Yuki makes the most sense to me, but it could be any of the characters. And then they could have growth in this episode. And it feels like it matters at all. Especially when you consider like what the thing with Yuki has kind of been showing so far. He started playing the game at the same time Riku did. And Riku's just basically been leaving him in the dust. Because mostly because the series can't be bothered to show Yuki doing anything, but... Believe it or not, we will get a Yuki focus episode that's all about that later. I don't know why I'm picking out Yuki. I think it's because Riku kind of had the whole episode last time to himself. And Ayame has had a lot recently. Momo would also be good, but her role in this episode isn't really conducive to that. It's just that Build Divers is getting back to being episodic. It had a pretty nice little chain of episodes that were more serialized before. This one's very episodic. And I've made the comparison to Super Sentai before, but Super Sentai will use its episodic episodes to focus in on a character and tell you about them. And that is what Build Divers is missing. I know that I sometimes have a reputation for just hating everything, but it's not so much when people tell me I should really like a character or they're so cool that I instinctively gravitate the other way. It's just every time someone says that, I'm like, can you show me then? I'm not going to believe you until you can show me. So it's not that I hate Riku because everyone keeps saying, oh, look how great he is. I don't like him because he's bland as dishwater. And having everyone say that's great probably doesn't help, right? That's more my point. Because the main character of Build Fighters Try is just as boring as Riku. The advantages there are he has a very cute girl with a personality next to him that you can pretend is the main character, and he's just her himbo boyfriend. (laughs) And the series works fine. He's just her reward for doing good in the series. But see, Jeremy, the thing about that is, I've watched a good chunk of Horimiya. That character archetype can be done well. And I think my bigger problem with this is just we're just wasting so much time on it. Time we could be spending with the build divers. Time we could be spending showing us this instead of just telling us this. You could focus on do some work with Momo because she's really gotten nothing. I think her and Yuki are equally in desperate need of character focus episodes. I just think this plot suits Yuki better. But yes, you're right. That's basically what it is. You should focus on somebody. Stop showing me Shari. When they show them later on when they're all like watching the match, then you can have them talk about people. Because then you can use them to break up the action and they serve a purpose. Whereas this middle chunk is just like, it feels like it's filling time. And I feel like they could have used this time for something. It feels like they're finding five minutes. So instead we get to see Sharyar's cool butler, I guess, that he has. So do you think this is another player, an NPC, or a Gunpla? I think it's an NPC. Gunpla would be hilarious, though. Uh, so yeah, Rommel's like, ah, interesting, they're gonna take him on. Hey, it's Patrick Kulisar, he's under an umbrella, and Ogre is there. I don't mind the Ogre stuff coming up so much, because we haven't seen him in a while, and his points of appearance are very short. They're actually close to the Kulisar cameos in their length. And they accidentally advance the story, because it tells us that Ogre is playing again. Yeah, and... He is watching. The champion will also be watching closely because he's the champion and he's their friend. Well, he's their friend and he's going to watch them fail so he knows how to succeed next time. Back to the Build Divers Star Wars briefing room for space. Koichi's like, let me explain the strategy Ayame and I came up with. We're going to use a shuttle. I built it. It's cool. We're going to do this Gundam Seed style and use a mass driver, but it'll only let us bring three Gumpla. 
Although I feel like Yayame is probably pretty light. Yeah, I was going to say it would have been kind of cool if they were like, Momo and my Gumpla are actually light, so we'll actually be able to fit more than a typical force could have. Although Ayame is also bringing her support piece, so I can easily believe that it weighs as much or more than one of their other ones with that, since she's effectively bringing two machines. We don't know exactly how all of that is calculated. It could also just be that they just have three slots, but they do state weight restrictions. But at the same time, the weights in Gundam are so varied, the weights and sizes, because, like, the wing Gundams are all, like, 20 tons or something like that. And then the Gundams out of seed are, like, 80 tons. Yeah, I imagine it is based on the weight of the Gunpla. I don't know exactly how, but I'm willing to believe that. Also, though, the Gundam wing Gundams are supposed to be smaller, and they did that so that they could sell uh, smaller models at the same scale, and it would cost them less plastic because plastic was getting expensive in the 90s. Oh, really? Yep. I suppose that's kind of a sneaky way to do that. Yep. Although, I just looked this up, and the Wing Gundam is 16 meters tall and weighs 7 tons empty. The Freedom Gundam is about 18 meters tall, so only 2 meters taller. Do you want to guess how heavy it is? I used to know. If I remember, it's like 80-odd tons, isn't it? Pretty close. It's about 72 tons. I was so, going to say 77, but, so I would have also gone over. So two meters taller and nearly like 65 tons heavier. Yeah, and where's all that weight coming from? Because it's definitely heavier even the extra height aside with all the guns. I, and I guess the Freedom has to actually load munitions, whereas the wing doesn't really. It does for its Vulcan guns, but those are going to be much lighter than the rail guns on the Freedom. But the wings seem like they should be less heavy than the wings. It depends on exactly what kind of material it's using for its railguns. Because if it's like the Mass Effect railguns, or the way the Mass Effect weapons work, then that would be a bit different. I have this nice informational pamphlet on them, but it is in Japanese and I don't read that. The scaling, because they're all arbitrary and hand-wavy, is all a little bit weird. Because, like... Battletech, most of them are listed at, like, they're just as a general descriptor, 10 meters tall, and they're anywhere from 20 tons to 100 tons. Also, I just came up with a pretty good no-prize answer, which is, remember, the wing is made out of Gundanium, which is a magical metal from Gundam Wing that I believe is supposed to be ultralight, whereas I believe the Freedom is supposed to be built of more realistic materials, for lack of a better term. I had kind of forgotten that the wing Gundams were built out of the magical metal. Anyway, they're like, we're sending Riku, Yuki, and Ayame. Momo, you and I are driving the shuttle. And Sarah's going to go waif, which means she's in the cockpit with Riku. Yeah, Sarah, you're attached to Riku, like always. <laughs> I like that Momo asks, and I like that she's including Sarah, but what does she think Koichi's going to say? I guess Sarah could help pilot the shuttle, actually. Nah, navigator. Weapons officer. Main character, Klinger. No, Koichi just has recognized the fact that Riku has Sarah equipped as an item, so he needs to leave her in his inventory. And Kuishi's like, I even gave the operation a cool name. It's Three Arrows. Let me pretend I'm the leader, because I probably should be, if we're being honest. See, <laughs> Koichi is the tact is basically the strategic commander. Riku is just the dude that happens to be in charge. So Riku is that guy in the friend group who just like says, I want to do a thing, and everyone else is like, well, we weren't doing anything anyway, so I guess that's what we're going to do now. Koichi just has to organize all the meetings. So now, back from our commercial break, and everybody be watching as they're about to begin. I do feel like this, especially given how long this has been theoretically going on, and since you've seen, like, Force Rommel try it and Avalon try it, like, this would be one of those things that people want to see. I 
do kind of like how Rommel is sitting on one of Kiyoya's lieutenant's laps, though. Especially since the Bill Divers is an up-and-coming force make more sense at this part in the story. They've been in this position the entire story, and that kind of sucks. But again, I am more willing to buy it after the Coalition of Volunteers thing. Because now more people have actually heard of them. Yeah. Do you know if that shuttle's based off of anything, Jeremy? It looks familiar and kind of zafty to me, but... I think it's scratch build of a uh, modified uh, zaft uh, space plane. I don't know. I'm looking through the wiki page because that's the best way for information for this. Because it looks like the plane that they they hijack to send Lacus back to space in Destiny. It kind of does, yeah. So the other suit that she imagines is Harry Ord's formal wear, looking at the trivia. And I thought it was pretty rad, but I was going to guess that it belonged to B-Man. Yeah, I can't find any specific reference of what the shuttle is. I, I It's in like Zaf shipped colors, but it does not look like a Zaf shuttle to me. So anyway, Koichi asks if everybody's ready. Well, Sarah looks very determined. I lo- do love how mom Koichi looks about to drive this van up to space for them. <laughs> I hadn't noticed that, but you're right. I like how he had first camera, cam one, cam two, and cam three. (laughs) Is that how they were labeled? That's hilarious. The camera that was pointing out into the track, see, first camera, and then cam one, cam two, and cam three. (laughs) Well, clearly, first camera is part of the shuttle, and the other three are game interface. So I wonder how long this has been going on. Is it like a once a week thing? I feel like it must be multiple times a week, but... I also, if especially if the Rommel team has done it seven times. Yeah, because if, if you're only doing once a week, or, you know, hell, even if you're only allowed to challenge it once a week, that would mean, at minimum, almost two months. Like, this would make more sense to bring them in, because it's like, Rommel asks, how are they going so fast? Yeah, the shuttle's going much faster than possible. But is like, ah, it's not a GBN shuttle, it's a custom build. Arguably, this one thing is the thing that wins them the challenge. Yes. Well, because they play the rest of the challenge out kind of dumb. So anyway, one of the lizard's lackeys is like, they'll be here in about three minutes, sir. And he's like, no, they're already here. My tactics skill told me. The tiger wolf is impressed they made it in just eight minutes. I like how everyone has sweat drops while they're considering this. They're like, oh no, why didn't we think to? That's one of the things that immediately struck me. They're like, wait, they, they built it themselves? Like, wouldn't that have been one of the first things you thought about? since this is all about modeling your own stuff. Yeah, you would think. On the other hand, there are no Gundam shuttle models. Well, we've seen Shariar has his custom thing with the Ptolemaeus, so it's not like you can't do it. Oh, obviously you can do it. But also, when we see Koichi do it, he just buys a bunch of plastic. Which makes me wonder how exactly it works to scan it in. Is all plastic just photosensitive to the GBN system? Is this in continuity with Build Fighters? Nobody knows. But in Build Fighters, Gunpla are made out of a special plastic. So Koichi's like, all right, everyone, sorty. And Momo's like, I don't get to do much in this episode. So make me be very cute and chibi and completely different art style next to you for a minute. It is in keeping with character. Koichi is very serious about it. Okay, everybody, sorty, go do it. And she's just like, yep, everybody go kill them all. So the first, they've got the minefield, but Yuki's like, I got it. I'll just shoot lasers at the mines and missiles. That's kind of the obvious answer to a minefield like that is just destroy the minefield. Yes. On a timer like this, the I, I was thinking about this because I was actually comparing it to that train job in Payday. You're not on a timer, but it's all the same thing. You just can't let yourself get bogged down. You always just move towards the objective. And they win because they know all of the 
things, right? They get to use the recon of everybody else. Like all video games, you just use the walkthrough. So anyway, the captain's lieutenants are like, oh no, our minefield. And the captain's like, eh, we have a lot of dudes. That's like step one. I guess step two. But Yuki's got long range beams. How could you expect that from those big rifles? I do like Ayame's like, try not to shoot us in the back. She doesn't trust them quite one hundo yet. So anyway, Lizard Man's lieutenants come up and pose a surprisingly credible threat. It kind of tracks. You would think they would be pretty decent at this. They had to get all those build coins somehow. They probably have a bit more practice fighting around this area because that's been their challenge. They've been doing it. The fight actually feels very Star Wars to me. Maybe just because these shark gumplo look more like fighters than anything else and the beams are green and the way Riku fights them looks very dogfighty. I didn't get a Star Wars vibe from that, but I can see where you're coming from. I mean, Ayami's now got a regular sword, which looks pretty rad, but Riku's beam is destroyed by Trident. I'm pretty sure she had that before. She might have. I don't remember her using one, but she might have. Riku notices they only have about three minutes left and they're being stymied. Because they stopped to dance with the lieutenants. Sarah's like, what now? And Coach is like, well, you just have to wait for them to do their best. And Omo's like, no, let's use our weapons. And she steps on the gas. Which makes sense. I mean, if you put armor on it and it's allowed to be in the fight, just use that as a battering ram. Ayami's like, okay, it's time for me to transform. And we put this gumpla very high. I'm on the record of liking this transformation. It feels very pointless in this episode. There's no reason she has to transform here to help her do it, except for that the show said transform now and you'll win. And the fact that it goes through a full-on transformation sequence, so we're padding out more time. I'm more okay with that. I was gonna say, I do really like that the transformation ends with her blocking an incoming beam. That's just silly to me. The first time she transforms, it serves a narrative purpose of, like, highlighting that she has not told them everything, because they don't know that she can do that, and it makes the stakes more serious. Here, it's just like, oh no, you transform and then you do better, right? So, Ayame pulls some capsules from her side and throws out some chibi Gundams. Which transform into something else. This is my favorite translation in the history of anime, where the guy yells, ninjutsu, but both the dub and the sub translate this as ninja tricks. <laughs> you did not remember that one, Tyler? I know Jeremy's mentioned it before. Nope, I completely forgot about that. I love it so much. <laughs> and that the dub kept it. Like, I was like, oh, this isn't nearly f- as funny in the dub, but it shows that you got how good that is. And the power of ninja tricks wins the day. But then there's another one. And Ayami's like, oh, no, I was too busy basking in my victory. Momo rams him. (laughs) Just flat out rams him with the shuttle. Again, like, this makes sense. I could just imagine Koichi sitting there being like, uh, I guess. This makes a lot of sense because there's no reason. The shuttle doesn't need to survive. And it's not like it will be destroyed if it is destroyed or that they need to get home. Yeah, like, you can just use it, like I said, as a battering ram. Yeah, which is what Momo does so that she does anything this episode. I actually kind of like the fact that she rams it Then asks Koichi if there are any weapons. And Koichi's like, no, I built a transport shuttle. It needed to be light and fast. Which actually does make sense, because to put all the stuff you would probably need to put weapons on it, it would make it much heavier. So the shark that they ram is about to destroy the cockpit, I guess? With its fists. You know, sharks are legendary for their fists. It's very dramatic, so dramatic that it turns both Momo and Koichi into chibi characters. Then out of nowhere, Riku saves them, and then Koichi just nonchalantly puts it in reverse. I believe it's Yuki that saves them, because I believe Riku's beams have been blue to this point. Yeah, I think it's Yuki, but at the same time, the fact that he just puts it into reverse, 
why didn't you do that before? Like, you, you got all panicky. Why didn't you just put it in reverse before? But Yuki saves him from suffering a minor penalty. Whereas Rikyo's like, okay, time to Destiny Gundam up in here. I'm kicking out my sword. And begins sword fighting the Mermaid Gundam. He's like, yeah, I said Destiny Gundam, remember? And he brings out his big laser. <laughs> I do love, like, the little porthole shield that the Mermaid Gundam has. It's very good. His little dive helmet thing have kind of kind of got the eep. <laughs> Protect me. Even the Gundam it itself looks startled by this. Captain's like, shoot him down. I do love that Riku takes the trident as a prize. Well, he takes it as like a ranged weapon because he hucks it here in a second. Yeah. The giant crab fortress is about to use its death cannon. It even succeeds and Riku dodges, blocks it with his knee pads and returns by throwing the trident at it, destroying it. Which causes it to be completely destroyed. Not completely, because he then shoots it with his beam a few times. Yeah, he takes out the eye field generator, specifically. The champion tells us that in case you miss it. And Rommel's like, yeah, good job, guys. And Koichi's like, remember that this operation is called Three Arrows? You have to destroy the core unit? Our third arrow is just shooting it a lot. They all use their anime stock footage pose attacks, even though we've never seen them before. Yuki is clearly just wearing a proton pack based on that design. He ain't afraid of no crab ghosts. And they blow up the front of it. And Lizard Man is like, ah, good tactic, shooting it. But then Riku's gun explodes. For reasons? The way it's cut implies to me that it got damaged in the earlier fight and now is overloaded, but I'm doing a lot of heavy lifting there. No idea. There's no way you can destroy the core unit. You definitely couldn't ram it. With your shuttle. But then Yuki is like, don't give up. And then everybody is startled by this. Again, if this was a Yuki spotlight episode of some sort, this might make more sense. He almost gets crabbed, but Riku get down Mr. President's him. And if Riku had gotten taken out here and Yuki had to save the day, again, maybe this would be a decent episode. But Riku is fine. And he's like, ah, secret technique. Well, it's because the episode is all about Riku's new mobile suit, so... And apparently he now has soccer powers? He has death knee pads. That's why he was practicing soccer. That lowered down to his legs so he could kick beams back. Because he's a soccer man, remember? I mean, on the one hand, that is a attack that'll catch people off guard, but I don't know how useful it realistically is. But the core unit is still intact, and Sarah and Riku are like, oh no. I like that they destroyed the entire damn base, and they're like, aha, we got you on a technicality, the core is still intact. Yeah, that was my immediate thought was, it's like, okay, so this is just now getting into being pedantic asshole technicalities. Hey, the mission objective is the mission objective. But yes, it is starting to literally sink into the Earth's gravity well, including the core. And he's like, you won't be able to get to it in time. You overdid it. Ha 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 ha. He doesn't actually laugh. I only have 30 seconds left. Like, oh, it's too fast for us. We can't catch up. And Riku's is like, too fast, you say? It sounds like it's time for my new bullshit mode. My thought initially was, like, before they even went into this new bullshit Trans Am, just, you're still double lot Gundam. You can still use Trans Am, as far as I know. Why not just use Trans Am and catch it? Well, if you would be able to go fast enough. Anyway, he has combined the Destiny's Wings of Flight with the Trans Am. Sure, this would be cool if he had seen someone else with a Destiny Gundam or something. Or if there was any reason for Riku to have this specific inspiration, other than a girl told him to talk to his Gundam. And it was like, dude, the Destiny Gundam is sweet. Give me some <laughs> of its weapons. Buy that playset and toy. So Riku catches it and stabs it. Apparently with seconds to spare. Well, of course. It's amazing that he didn't do it at the last possible seconds. There were two and three quarters whole seconds left. And build divers have shockingly completed the impossible mission. On their first try. 
when obviously more highly skilled players have tried many times and failed and not come up with the obvious strategy employed by these noobs. The only defense that I have for that is like Jeremy said, they're working from the guide of all the intelligence that everybody who's already tried it has been working from. So they're basically starting with everybody else's attempt as a baseline. Yeah, that's the only way I can justify it as well. Because they know about the mines and have a plan for them. And even then, like we said, somebody else should have probably thought, hey, maybe we could try a custom model. It does seem like a very Koichi thing to try. And so in that way, it almost works. Because Rommel doesn't seem like a guy who's doing lots of models. And Shariar hasn't tried the challenge. But it does seem like something someone should have come up with, depending on how long the challenge has been out. If it's only been a week, then I can believe they're the first ones to try this. Or if we see somebody else on there being like, you know, when they're when they're looking it up or when Kyoya and his lieutenants are talking about it, somebody mentioned that maybe a custom build would work. And then given a reason like why they choose not to do that, maybe maybe they don't have the person on hand that could make a custom model for it, or they don't think that'll work. Then you lose the shocking reveal that they built a custom shuttle. And while I don't think that's amazing, I think it's very clearly that's the moment Koichi has the shine in this episode. And I don't want to take that away from him because then nobody gets to really shine in this episode. <laughs> I guess Momo going ramming speed gets to, but. Well, I don't think that necessarily takes it away if they, if someone suggests it and then they shoot it down on the account of, well, we don't know anybody who would be able to do that. And then Koichi comes out and actually pulls it off. Yeah, but then it's not a twist. Then you have to spend some time with Koichi doing it and going through the hurdles of it. And then it becomes a Koichi spotlight, which would be good too. I think a Yuki spotlight makes more sense for this episode. Or go full in on a double O Sky spotlight. Because while I said I do think a victory is correct here to show off how cool the double O Sky is, the double O Sky doesn't actually get a lot of time in this episode. Well, at the very least, it would be a more of a focus on something in the series instead of just kind of existing. So Rom was like, oh, those guys are super cool. Buy all their playsets and toys, kids. A ferret told you to. Don't you want to be <laughs> as cool as they are? Nogur's like, rain. Hmm. He definitely has the most useful reaction shot out of all of this. It's quick. It makes sense. I think all these reaction shots are okay. We just didn't need the earlier ones. It's the one that I really have a problem with. Yeah, I I'm with Jeremy. The reactions are fine on them. The... Well, I mean, they've got so many different characters. It's just a shame none of them are the main characters. Yep. And Nagi's like, everybody had a moment to shine. Even Yuki, who just kind of sat in the back and shot people. I hadn't noticed that the first time. Oh, the bit of Momo, like, on her screen, she's just holding her fists out in celebration. And on Koichi, she has hit him in yep. the head. Yeah, I hadn't noticed that. It's actually quite good. And that's the end of the episode. But wait, there's more. I do kind of like this after the credits bit, but there's no reason that it needed to be after the credits. I mean, it kind of does because you need a cut here, right? So Momo is incredibly excited to be rich. I do like how everyone is looking at her, including there are a couple of people in the background that are watching them because like, of how much noise she's making. And she's like, Sarah, we need to go buy a pet now. I thought that was what Sarah was there for. <laughs> and so she looney tunes Sarah off to the pet shop next to a succubus and a vampire for some reason I think you're in the wrong series and Koichi's like hey don't splurge too much I'm the responsible adult and Yuki and Riki are like eh it's fine so what we got all the money for it's not like we had plans for it and so everybody's got their awkward smiles until Ayame starts laughing but then they're being watched by a bird 
Because if the plot's going to advance, it's going to be in an after credit sequence, and it's not really going to advance at all. It's just going to be like, please keep watching. There's something going on. We promise. <laughs> we haven't decided what it is yet, but something is going on. They have hinted at it. Like, you can't guess what it is. But when you go back, they gave you all the clues, Mr. Policeman. And by all the clues, I mean some vague pointers in a direction. Yeah, I mean, there was last episodes as well, so. So that's it. That's the end of the episode. And like I said, it's just so, like, talking about it was pretty fun, but it's so emblematic of Bill Diver's worst vices. The plot only advancing in the last moment. No focus on any character. This episode is so disposable. And again, I'm more willing to go with episodic series. But when you only have 25 episodes and you know that going in, you should do something with your episodes because your characters don't need to stay static in the same way they do in an American cartoon where you want to theoretically keep going forever and you need them to stay static. The static thing is only in series where the status quo is reset after every episode, more or less. But when you have a series that is not resetting every week then you do kind of need to have your characters grow and learn and change. That's one of the more interesting things about fiction in general. But a purely episodic story like this is the perfect time to either highlight or change one of your characters in a small way, right? Yeah. I just don't think it works. They don't do anything with it. Yuki doesn't advance here. Riku doesn't advance here. Koichi doesn't advance here. Maggie at the end is like, everybody use their talent. And it's like, well, not really. Momo (laughs) stepped on a gas pedal. Yuki kind of shot a guy to save them, but not really. Koichi did. He built the shuttle. That's important. It's not a very good action shot, and there's not a lot of time given to it. And Riku saved the day at the end. And Ayame transformed, but... Granted, Koichi's skills are in basically planning and building the specialty stuff that they want to use. So that makes sense. But like I said, Momo didn't use her special skills. She basically played co-pilot and rammed something. Her personality is important, right? Because Koichi was not going to ram that shuttle into him. So Momo does get a moment. She's one of the better ones. But make if you're designing from like a scratch, okay, here's a climax and everyone's going to be important to it. This is not a very successful execution on that, I don't think. To the point where I feel like they felt like Maggie had to say at the end. And everybody helped. To just tell you that, yeah, trust us, everybody was involved. Because that's the older characters' jobs, right? To tell us the stuff about the story? Ugh. So do you have a high point, Tyler? I'm going to go with uh, just everything Momo does in the shuttle, just generally. From her being chibi, to her going ramming speed, to her whacking Koichi in the head. All good stuff. Zach, do you have a high point? I do kind of like the reveal that the, one of the things that really helped them win was the fact that Koichi built the, the custom shuttle for the mission. I think that was actually a pretty good touch to emphasize like that particular source of character, but so much of the rest of the episode did not really do anything for me. So I think I'm going to have to go with the custom shuttle. Ninja tricks. <laughs> I didn't want to steal yours for a change. So I was How specifically staying away from that one because I knew that was yours. Tyler, do you have a low point? Oh boy, can I just do the rest of the episode? I don't know, like, how easily the fortress actually went down. That was pretty lame. They didn't actually do a whole lot to it until it just exploded. Especially after building up the mission as one that was basically regarded as impossible by a lot of people. Yeah, the fact that he had to pull out Trans Am only after they thought they had won. Also, as a quasi-showcase episode for the Sky, we didn't get a whole lot of content from it. It's not a very good showcase, is it? Do you have a low point, Zach? I do, and I believe I'm going to go with the first set of reaction shots from all of the other characters. Basically, that middle five minutes, where it's just like, 
oh, they're challenging it? Oh, this should be interesting. And it goes through everybody that we've met so far. It's like, we don't need to see this. Yeah, that was what it be mine. So I think I'm going to go with the missed potential this episode has. That's so generic, I will specifically pick with the 00 Sky. Because I like the 00 Sky fairly well. I like the idea of, hey, let's take this stuff from the Destiny Gundam and combine it with this stuff from the 00 Gundam. But the Destiny Gundam has never come up before. We saw it last episode when Riku bought the model kit. Zach pointed it out, so we know where he got the equipment for it. But if he had seen someone use a Destiny Gundam, or if he had watched some Destiny Gundam or something in that whole last episode that was all about getting inspiration... Yeah, that would make a lot of sense if, like, in the getting inspiration thing, he saw on one of the monitors on, like, the spectator mode, a match where somebody was using one. That would make sense. Because otherwise it just kind of comes out of left field. Yeah, because then the reveal of, oh, I combined the Wings of Light and the Trans Am and now I'm super fast is a cool reveal and not just comes out of nowhere and is like, okay, I don't know what that means, but I guess you win. So do we want to add something to our list this week? I kind of agree with you. It's a bad showcase for the 00 Sky, so I almost don't want to add it yet. But what are your guys' feelings? I don't think there's anything else that we have outstanding that I can think of. And I do agree with you that because we haven't really gotten a good showcase of the sky, we should hold off on that. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd probably be okay tossing it on the list. I feel like we've probably seen most of its tricks, but I'd like it to see it like, I don't know, 1v1 someone at Baron. If I had an ogre, maybe. At least get into a fight with somebody we care about. All right, then. That will do it for this episode. Join us next week when we will watch episode 16, Friends Reunited. So, Tyler, was this Gundam or was this Isekai? I feel like given the nature of the event, it's more Isekai than Gundam. But honestly, this is so close to the middle ground of everything. I'm going to say this is actually just an entirely different genre. Zach? This episode was so bland and so throwawayable that I have to call it Isekai. Join us next week, everybody. Bye! Bye!